This past summer, James, Michaela, and Zay and I went on vacation to Florida. We had a really good time. We went out on a boat one day fishing. We went paddle boarding and kayaking. We saw some dolphins, some of them really close up. And then we even saw some newly hatched sea turtles going back out to the ocean. One day, we went out to go swimming in the ocean, and that was a lot of fun. We, um, we were you know, diving under the waves. We were floating on top of the waves out past the breaking point. Um, we were play, you know, body surfing. What my kids didn't realize at the time was that that actually took a lot of work for me. It's kind of weird, but sometimes I have to work hard to have fun because my tendency is to worry about all the possible things that could go wrong. In fact, the next day we went back to go do the very same thing and I could not do it. I couldn't force myself to go out beyond about my knees. It was almost like things had gone too well for too long. We'd had way too much fun. So I just couldn't shake the feeling that something horrible was gonna happen. I waded out to about my knees and then I started thinking about the undertow. Did we check that morning to see if there was a warning? The waves really seemed a lot stronger than usual. And then I, I couldn't focus on what my family was talking about at all because I was busy scanning for sharks, which I knew were out there. I was holding Zay's hand, and every time she tried to edge out a little bit deeper, I kind of held her back. I just couldn't relax. Dr. Brene Brown calls this foreboding joy. She's, yeah, kind of... She's a, a shame and vulnerability researcher and author, if you haven't heard of her. Um, I want you to write this down. If you have something to write with, make a note of this title. It's called The Price of Invulnerability. And then when you get home later today, I want you to Google that and then watch the video that pops up. It's a TEDx video featuring Dr. Brown. And in this particular video, she links our willingness to be vulnerable with our capacity to experience joy. I was so relieved when I saw the video to hear that someone could actually name the experience I was having and that I wasn't the only one that experienced this. A lot of people, apparently, right on the cusp of joy, suddenly imagine disaster happening. I mean, I remember when Michaela and Zay were infants, and I wanted so badly for them to just sleep through the night. And then the first time that they did, my very first thought when I woke up was, oh my God, did they stop breathing? I'd have to run into the room and poke at them to see if they were still alive. And then there would be times when we were at the pool. We'd be having a great time. Everybody's laughing, splashing, diving, having a, a great time, really relaxed. I'd have one of those moments, you know, where your heart starts to just swell with gratitude. And at the very same instant, I would imagine someone getting fatally injured. I was really glad to find when I watched this video of Brene Brown's that it's not just me. She says that it's because as a culture, we are losing our tolerance for vulnerability, largely because we have a tendency to relate vulnerability to weakness, but also because we just have this deep need to be in control of everything. We have a deep need to feel safe and secure at all times. We like guarantees. And in life, as we all know, there are very few guarantees. Bad things happen. They happen every day. And this foreboding joy 
according to Dr. Brown, is our unconscious attempt to beat vulnerability to the punch. We don't want to be taken by surprise. But living in anticipation of all the bad things that could possibly happen robs us of the joy that we might otherwise experience, joy that we need to experience in order to fill our emotional and spiritual reservoirs so that we have the strength we need when bad things actually do happen. Joseph was engaged to Mary. Arranging a marriage in Joseph's day was like negotiating a contract. It was legally binding. Mary and Joseph were legally considered husband and wife even before the official ceremony and consummation. The only outs at this point were death and divorce. It was a done deal, a guarantee of sorts. During the year between engagement and marriage, plans would be made for a week-long marriage ceremony, and Joseph would prepare to take Mary as his own back to their home, a home that he would provide for them to begin a life together, a life that would include work and homemaking and religious practice and children. I imagine that Joseph could probably hear those children giggling as they chased each other in the front yard, that he could smell the delicious meal that his wife was preparing him as she stood maybe humming some song by the kitchen sink. He imagined a future filled with joy. I don't know if Joseph had a sense of foreboding or not, but just like that, the unthinkable happened. Mary discovered that she was pregnant. And in this case, it wasn't just his imagination. This was reality. All that anticipated joy, gone. Now, Joseph had to make a decision at this point. And he had to make the decision fast, because if Mary knew that she was pregnant, it was only a matter of time before everybody knew. And the stakes were very high. In fact, they were deadly. Even before the official wedding ceremony, Mary's apparent indiscretion would be counted as adultery. And according to the law of Moses, she could be stoned to death for that. So Joseph, he began to worry over and renegotiate his future. And as he did so, he considered all of his traditions and his customs and the Jewish law. And after carefully weighing all of these things, along with his own personal moral code, and I imagine the feelings that he had for Mary, Joseph decides that the thing to do is to divorce Mary. To remain engaged, to go through with the marriage at that point was unthinkable. I mean, there were too many unknowns. He'd be too vulnerable. He'd be vulnerable to gossip. He'd be vulnerable to further heartache. I mean, if Mary was going to be unfaithful to him before they even got to the marriage ceremony... What would their future look like? He also, he didn't want to further disgrace Mary. He had a soft spot in his heart for her. He didn't want to endanger her. So ultimately, he settles on a quiet divorce. And just when he settles into this newly imagined future, an angel visits him in a dream and claims that Mary hasn't been unfaithful at all, but has in fact conceived by the Holy Spirit, and is going to bear the Savior of the world. It must have blown his mind. The angel says, 
don't be afraid to marry your Joseph. The angel asks him to embrace an extreme vulnerability. I mean, who's going to believe this crazy story? What will all of his friends and his neighbors, what will his family think about him? What will it be like to raise a child that he did not conceive? He might lose the respect of those that he does business with. It could be dangerous. He must have thought of all the things that could go wrong, all of the things that could go very bad for him. Could he manage to take a chance this big of a risk? Brene Brown says vulnerability is the birthplace of joy. It's also necessary for a real and authentic experience of spirituality. Faith is about embracing mystery, tolerating the unknown. Anne Lamott, she's a memoirist and novelist, she puts it this way. She says, the opposite of faith is not doubt, it's certainty. If we are to experience connection with God and the joy of living in faith, we're going to have to learn to tolerate vulnerability. The best that I could do that day on the beach with Michaela and Zay was to be vulnerable enough to just confess, to explain to them why I was hesitating to go out into the water. I just told them, I said, I'm afraid. I know it's weird, but sometimes I get this irrational fear that something bad's going to happen. And I'm sorry, but I just, I can't go out any further in the water. I just can't do it. They were incredible. Without blinking an eye, they said, well, let's just play in the sand. They sat down right there in the surf, and we began to, you know, build a wall and a moat. And before long, we were burying Zay in the sand. And... Um, it wasn't quite the vulnerability of just diving in and, and going for the depths of the ocean, but it was the vulnerability, the willingness on my part to share my authentic experience in that moment, an experience that I wasn't particularly proud of. And it opened the door to this connection between me and my girls and to this moment of grace and joy. We laughed. We had a great time sitting there in the sand. And I was so grateful for that opportunity. Ultimately, Joseph allowed himself to be vulnerable. I don't know that he was wholly unafraid. I imagine that he wasn't. But he embraced an unknown future. He embraced a future without any guarantees, with a woman who would bear God's child. He chose to believe what the angel told him and to live a life of faith raising the one who, because of his willingness to be vulnerable, saved us all. The messenger that visited Joseph intervened for the purpose of encouraging Joseph to live in faith during very uncertain times. We're surrounded by messages every single day that claim guarantees and that claim vulnerability as weakness. We receive messages constantly that promote safety and security and power and control over all else. But this vigilance that that invites us to live into, 
This striving after guarantees, this worrying over and protection of self, it robs us of this deep well of joy that we need when times actually do get tough. I wonder how we might compete with these messages. I wonder if we could share encouraging messages with one another, messages that encourage us to step out and embrace vulnerability, to live in faith, that we might experience real joy. For sure, we can come alongside those who are vulnerable. We can share in their vulnerability. We're doing that as a congregation throughout this whole season of service. Coming up next week is the deadline for Any Baby Can. We can supply a diaper bag for parents who are vulnerable right now, trying to provide for their kids. We can donate women's clothing to Montopolis Center or volunteer one day at their um, thrift shop. I wonder what it would be like if instead of living in anticipation of all the horrible things that could possibly happen, just as we're on that cusp of experiencing joy, I wonder what it would be like if instead we lived in anticipation of the greatest imaginable joy, the coming of the one in whom we are all safe and secure, the coming of the one through whom God saves us all. I do believe that there are angels among us. I believe they fill this room right now. And I know that we can be messengers of joy, flying in the face of fear for God, Emmanuel, in the deepest vulnerability, is always and already with us. Amen.